Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast along with J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. The Thanksgiving week here at Baseball America, and it's just a conflagration of all kinds of stuff going on, J.J. Top tens are in full swing at BaseballAmerica.com and, of course, in the print edition of the magazine. Uh, Arizona Fall League and Hawaii Winter Baseball top 20s going online this week, I believe. Uh, uh, next week. Next, next week, week, I think, on that, because we're going to put the Rule 5 uh, preview up, uh, you know, our first Rule 5 preview. We'll have another one, but our right. first Rule 5 preview will get you through the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. and then Basically, our Rule 5 preview, which is uh, here's the scouting reports that we have and the guys that we think fit best. And then our second Rule 5 preview will be after we talk to a lot of scouts and organizations Which, and see And that will be much more will be. who will be the guys drafted. But you know what? Last year, uh, our first early look at the Rule 5, we put five guys in the magazine that we pulled out and then like 15 more guys in a list. And four of the five guys we pulled out in the magazine got popped. Randor Beard, Garrett Guzman, um, Brian Barton. I'm forgetting the fourth, the fourth guy. But we were on it even in the early preview. Uh, and I, of course, is... two years ago, I think, was Chris Klein's favorite – Rule 5 draft of all time when he had uh, the Mexicutioner, Joachim Soria. So I've, and I've actually got my pick to click, and I'll go ahead and reveal it in the podcast for the Rule 5. I'm, I'm, I won't divulge all the details, but Pedro Figueroa, look that joker up. Left-hander in the athletic system, Pedro Figueroa it's, is my pick to the click. A's, the A's had a very difficult, I mean, it's tough. You've got enough prospects that it just becomes, you know, you can't protect them all. I think that's what uh, one of the things that happened. So I think he's a late bloomer, heart throwing lefty. That's all I'll say. I'll give you one more pick to click because <laughs> I love, uh, I do uh, enjoy the Rule Five a little bit more than I should probably. Oh, he wrote the hey the we Rule do, Five. Yeah. We we got you know when we get our hands on here are the list of the eligibles. potential eligibles. Forty eight page PDF. That that's fun for all of us because you're fun. sitting there sorting through and it's like hey you know and it's really it's a graveyard of. Wow, that guy used to be something, you know, a lot of it. But Jim, Jim Callis wants to go through when he has time and pick out the highest drafted players on the list. The one that sticks out to me is Tim Stauffer, who was the number three overall pick uh, back in uh, 2003. You've also got uh, another high pick on there, Ryan Harvey of the, Bra- of the Cubs, who Cubs. was the fifth overall pick. You also so, had uh, yeah, the others. There's multiple, multiple first-rounders on there. Yeah, Bobby Brownlee's on there. Uh, I think Chris Lubansky's Chris Lubansky's the fifth overall pick. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Harvey was sixth, and Lubansky was fifth. And that brings us to what we're really podcasting about today, which is the American League Central uh, top ten prospects. Chris Lubansky not pictured um, in the Kansas City Royals. J.J. did the Royals. I did the Twins top tens. Uh, let's first talk about the whole Central JJ, and just since we went to the press, when uh, we, we, we went to press with the print edition of the magazine, and since the White Sox top ten came out online, there has already been a change with the Cuban uh, corner bat. We'll, we'll call him Dion Vicieto, signing already with the White Sox. And I've emailed with a couple scouts who've seen Vicieto at his workouts last week. They both use the exact same phrase: "He's the real deal offensively." It sounds like there's going to be a real question about where he plays position-wise. Uh, the scouts that we talked to. When he first defected back in May, compared him to Angel Villalona or Kenny Morales. Both of those guys are 1B DH types. So Vicieto might be that, and that might not be a bad thing with Jim Tomey's contract expiring in 09 and Paul Canerco, Paulie, coming to the end of the line for the good guys. Which, and the other thing with that is, is that I've noticed with Cuban defectors, position players, a lot of times, whatever positions they've played in Cuba, yeah. shift them. You know, I mean, to use the Bill James term, shift them to the down the spectrum. I mean, if you look at it, you know, Kendry Morales came out, you know, and it was like, you know, there was all the talk about his arm and all because, you know, he had been a pitcher and all. Absolutely. He's a first baseman, you know. Um, 
He can hit. He can uh, hit. He hasn't really gotten a you know great full shakeout in, uh, with the Angels. But um, Alexi Ramirez, you know, basically shifted just one over. Well, he's a real question because he played some shortstop and outfield in Cuba, and now he played second base in his first year in the U.S. And now, now there's talk he'll be the shortstop. There is talk that he'll be the shortstop. You know, which if he does, he would be. You know, there have been less. Uh, Cuban defectors who've stuck. I mean, Ray Ordonez is obviously the guy who jumps out. Well, I think the amazing thing is that the Cuban track record, the the the, the you know everyone talks about the pitching uh, in Cuban history, but it's really the hitters who've done more. I mean, you know, Eski Betancourt is a great defender. He's basically Ray Ordonez too. Uh, Alexi Ramirez, the kind of year that he had. Uh, Morales at least has been around the big leagues for a while. Uh, some of the pitchers have flamed out. The Ariel Prietos and the Rolando Arrojos might have a year here or there. <laughs> Outside of Levon Hernandez and El Duque. What Cuban pitchers have really lived up to the hype? I mean, or even Jose Contreras has had basically one good stretch. But really, living up to the hype, very rare is the Cuban pitcher who lives up to the hype or the money or the signing bonus they got. And, well, that's the thing, though, is just that I think one thing with that, and it is true, a lot of them don't live up to the hype. That being said, they're they're basically the closest thing we have to, in, in many ways, if a draft pick was just, you know, was just put on the free, you know, right. Scott Boris's dream and draft picks were all of a sudden available yeah. to the highest bidder. So it's hard to compare those bonuses to what the bonuses that guys get in the draft. I mean, if you look at it that Indeed. way, it's like, hey, you know, these guys are, you know, generally flaming out. But the reality of it is, is that a $2 million Cuban defector or a $1 million Cuban defector is essentially, you could argue in a lot of ways, that's like taking a guy in the third, fourth round because, you know, I think have so. that money. Absolutely, and, you know, and put him in the draft. Yep, I mean, that's pretty so. Much. And Vicieto getting reported eleven million dollars as a major league contract. You know what? Uh, that's not bad. That's I think that's a. It might be a bargain. I mean, it might be a oh, bargain. I mean, if this especially guy's a big league middle hey, order bat. If, if you're the White Sox, you know, you look at it. and It's like, well, Lexi Ramirez worked out pretty well for us last year. And all the all the reports are that that his bat is definitely uh, middle of the order potential, and he'll probably rank third in the White Sox list when the book comes out. Prospect handbook goes to press December nineteenth. You've got Gordon Beckham and Aaron Pareda, I think, will rank ahead of him. And you could definitely you argue, could argue him with You Pareda. could argue him Pareda. I, I would probably, in fact, you know, am I, I'm, a, I'm my, a Pareda believer. But, my, but there are my reasons to be My semi-uninformed opinion as far as this, like, I have not gotten nearly as many reports on, you know, I, I know about Dayon, but I'm not, you know, as up to speed on him. But that being said, I mean, Pareda, I mean, there's a good likelihood that you're talking about, you know, Power arm out of the pen. I know you could just be a belie- He could just be a relief pitcher. That's for sure. I mean, the fastball straightens out at times. He's got to command his fastball better. I mean, he's most pitchers have to say that, but he, you know, he doesn't have great secondary stuff. He really doesn't have a chance to have above average secondary stuff. At best, they'll be average. Uh, probably, probably at best, they'll be fringe average. So for him, fastball command is even more important. But he does have, in my mind, a, an elite a big time fastball. Exactly, a chance to be a guy at those seventy, eighty percent fastballs and pitches off the fastball from the left side with plus velocity and command. So, uh, and some movement. So I, I like Pareda, but that White Sox list, uh, no fault of Phil Rogers, unimposing. Kenny no, Williams does not seem to really care where they get ranked in the farm system. And, and we, really, he should. And we knew that going in. We, yep. I mean, I, it actually, it's. I would probably say this list maybe a. You know, I, I, comparing it to last year's White Sox list, probably even a touch better. I mean, I they have two is. guys on this list who are pretty interesting, and, you know, maybe three, whereas last year they had one. I mean, you know, one thing we had that never gets factored in here, the White Sox have been consistent winners, J.J., and Gordon Beckham's their first top ten pick in 18 years since Frank Thomas in 1990. Well, the thing about it is with the White Sox, and we, you know, there's a story we'll have posting up on BaseballAmerica.com, you know, later this week that we had in the issue. 
that we talked about. The White Sox do it differently. Then they're not going to rank high in our organization rankings, same way that the Cardinals used to do it. I just about to say they're like late nineties Cardinals. Right. Where basically the viewpoint is is that the farm system is used to acquire pieces that mm-hmm. help at the big league level, and now that doesn't always work. But the White Sox, it's worked partly because they've had a knack of taking failed prospects from other teams yep. and turning them into quality big league players. I you mean, know? you can argue that three of their best players are guys who are kind of almost cast off from other systems, and, and John Danks, uh, Gavin Floyd, and Carlos Quentin. And those were three huge reasons why they won the division this year. They, they edged out the Twins in that division. Uh, let's segue to the Twins in Minnesota. Well, hold on. We, we, let's uh, do one thing I want to do with the White okay. Sox. We were doing what we did last time is controversial. Who do you think, oh, who yeah. in these rankings do you look at and say, that's the controversial pick on this ranking? Well, you know, Cole Armstrong is probably not going to be on a lot of people's lists, but he finished strong. He is a backup catcher profile, left-handed bat. And that's... B- backup catcher profile as far as like good arm but not a great receiver and power. Is he going to be an everyday catcher? Probably. I think there's about a 30% chance he's an everyday catcher, that, maybe a 25% chance. But if he if he is an everyday catcher, he's a guy who's going to hit you 250, 260, but maybe, maybe hit 20 home runs from the left side, and that's a valuable guy. Right. Uh, realistically, more likely he'll be one of those guys who hits you 10 to 12 home runs in limited at-bats in the right. big leagues, which is still a, you know valuable. It is, though, the White, so- the White Sox top ten. The reason he's number nine is not all top tens are created equal. Absolutely. And so, you, I mean, you look at number ten, it's like Eduardo Escobar is a, you know. I mean, he's you're, a 20 to 30 guy in most organizations. Yes. That's and so, the, the reality is, this, I mean, there's not often that you see, in Cole Armstrong's case, the very rare thing in the background. You don't often see plucked in the minor league rule yeah. five draft. You don't. In a top ten prospect. That doesn't happen very often, but. There's a reason he's number nine. The farm system is just not, you know, that strong. I mean, Jordan Danks. I mean, Jordan Danks has serious questions about his bat. How much is this guy going to hit? And he's number five on their system. But the now reality, he's number six with Vicieta. But the reality of it is, is that if you're looking at the White Sox system in here, if you said who have a, who on here has a pretty good likelihood of being a solid big leaguer, he's on you probably. Well, you probably get to number four, and then number five's got some question marks. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because Brandon, even Brandon Allen's probably best as a DH. Right, big but, he, but you look at it, he's got, a, he's got a bat where he's like, yeah, he'll probably play. He should hit enough to get to the big leagues. I agree with you. Uh, let's just go on to the next one, alphabetical order, Cleveland, instead of going to uh, skipping ahead to Minnesota. Because Cleveland, I think, is, to me, by far the best top ten yeah, in this I thought, division, you know, it's the top, And I think and that's interesting because they really have not drafted – you know, extremely well over they're the last. Fairly conservative in how they draft, especially in the top of the draft. Uh, but internationally, they've been aggressive. Trades have been aggressive with trades, and I actually thought Lonnie Chisenhall, who at the time I kind of thought was not a great pick, I think I really just undersold this guy. He's an athletic left-handed bat. Could be a second baseman. Could be a third baseman. Could be a right fielder. The, he's uh... number six on their list, and he's pretty good. You know, Nick Wegelars wasn't a first-round pick, but he was a high draft pick. He's a third-round pick, and he's already. Uh, jumped ahead of Bo Mills. They've they've got some guys uh, who who could. I, I and, like their bats. That's and what the really interesting part is, is Matt Laporta, who I think if you had told if you'd ask thirty you know dedicated yeah. Baseball America readers before we put out this top ten said who's the number one prospect in the Indian system, I'd say probably thirty of them <laughs> would say oh, Matt, Matt Laporta. Laporta. You know Carlos Santana ended up being number one. Laporta was number two. And that's not a, you know, I think a lot of people heard that and it's like, well, what, what do they not like about Laporta? It's not necessarily not liking anything about Laporta. It's Absolutely. just Santana's. Just that good. He's just that, he's, he's, you're talking about basically a guy whose back could be 
at least similar to Laporta's, you know. And by the way, oh yeah, he's a catcher. I mean, he almost he kind of sounds like almost like a Brian McCann type to me who switch hits. Um, that's kind of how Santana says because he's got he's got a feel for hitting too uh, and power. And the fact that the Dodgers parted with him for you know a couple months of Casey Blake is stunning. That's, it's a but nice I mean, deal for the it, Cleveland paid Casey Blake's contract and they got paid in and, the talent. And of by the Santana. way, you see on this you know in this top ten. Three of the top ten guys are guys they picked up through trades last year. I mean, right. like, hey, yeah, Mickey, you, Brent, Michael Brantley, yeah, Le, Brantley, Laporta, and Santana are all guys that they brought in, and that's you know that's a nice way to kind of I mean, <laughs> more teams you know probably should do. I mean, doing those trades in the season, like okay, it's not going as we want, right? It, it can you know really pay off you know the long run instead of hanging on. It's just amazing know. they might they might have gotten more for Sam, for for Blake than they got. For Sabathia, that's amazing. <laughs> they might have and gotten got more. And they got a pretty good. Trade. And they got a pretty good haul for. And they know. did for Sabathia. You know, and like really no did. one could argue, like, oh, they didn't get anything for Sabathia. They got two know. top ten guys right here in Laporta and, and Michael Brantley. You know, the, Who, the, who's your controversial prospect? Well, I mean, 10? we talk about Santana Laporta, but the one that I think also probably that jumps out in some ways is Adam Miller. Exactly, still there. You know, I mean, Adam Miller has been a fixture in the. Uh, he he's been the number one prospect. It's his sixth year in the top ten. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, he was number one four years in a row through some leaner years in the farm system and through some thicker years as well. And then this year he's still number four. He just keeps getting hurt. He can't stay healthy. And yet he's still throwing cheddar in the Dominican winter ball. And so now it sounds like the Indians are finally going to put him in the They finally realized, okay, you know what? We can't get – we've got to stop believing we'll get 200 innings out of this guy. Can we get a quality 70? Really, they, they, I understand they, they, they just were listening too hard. They did, did not want to stop. Believing, don't yeah. stop believing, with and their so, motto with Adam Miller, and that, that was tortured. You know, and I don't even like Journey. But you know, <laughs> but the, the reality of it is, is that he still is. Yeah, I mean, you put him in the pen now. This is again, this is why we have the bias in some ways against relievers in top tens. Right. Be, is because you put Adam Miller in the pen, and all of a sudden it's you know he had a you know if he could stay healthy, he had potential elite starter stuff. But you put him in the pen and stuff plays up even a little bit more. And right, right. And he could be their closer, you know. I mean, there's a chance. You know, the best-case scenario for a guy like that is Brad Lidge. Brad Lidge was a starter with the Astros in the minor leagues. They just couldn't keep him healthy, couldn't keep him healthy. Boom, became a closer, and now he's the Brad Lidge that we know and love today. Um, Detroit Tigers top ten, JJ, almost a nothing-to-see-here kind of feeling for me with well, the Tigers not, outside of not, Rick Porcello. Nothing, but, but yeah, I was going to say, you got Rick Porcello to start it. And even though Rick Porcello is a fascinating guy from the standpoint of, you look at the, the he had an outstanding season in the Florida State League. Right. That being said, there's one thing that just jumps out, you know, that's glaring is 72 strikeouts in 125 innings. It really does. It's and it's out. hard to explain in a lot of ways, you know, what happened, you know, because he's got, you know, elite stuff. The scout that I talked to about him had a great way to encapsulate that. He got Josh Beckett's contract, and he's got John Garland's stuff. And he said, hey, look, if he has a John Garland career, middle of the rotation, ground ball machine, uh, durable starter, that's their money's worth. That's a big-time value for what the Tigers pay in the draft. But it's not Josh Beckett. It's not a front-line ace. But that's really what he thinks – Rick Porcello and is, and that, that might be it. That and might I'll be say this: is. I'm not. This is not a knock against Porcello. Well, you know, maybe it is, but I don't know of. You know, you hear guys. You know, you'll hear a lot of times when you talk to scouts, you talk to managers. They'll it's not making excuses. They'll say, "Oh, once he fig, you know, once right. he figures out what he's doing, he'll start striking out a lot more guys." But the thing that always jumps out to me is the strikeout pitchers. 
They don't figure it out in Double A. Oh, strikeout strike pitchers strike out guys in the Gulf Coast League. They strike right. out guys, and that's not that Porcello is not going to be a very good big league pitcher. But I don't believe that he's not going to strike out guys in high A, and then when he gets to double A and triple A, all of a sudden he's going to strike out a ton of guys. That's not how – it usually doesn't work that way. Not As you move up the ladder, yeah. you strike out less guys because, you know what, you're facing a whole lot of less hitters who are going to go you know, chasing at a, you know, a pitch in the dirt. And that's the thing. I think, you, I think you have to just temper expectation with this guy. I think he's got a chance to be very good. But does he going to be Josh Beckett just because he got that kind of contract? Probably not. I, I really like the way that scout summed it up of – and, John Garland, not Josh and Beckett. Ryan Perry, the number two prospect. I, I got I'm some, not a fan. I, I got some, you know, some stuff on him when I was doing the Florida State League list, and guys said, "Great fastball." I mean, it's you oh, know, yeah. triple digits almost. You know, you'll see triple digits maybe. But that being said, you see it being released from far off, and it's straight. Yeah, and absolutely. There's the question. He's going to have to. He's going to have to have that. You know, that second pitch. Because it's not a fastball that just he throw you throw it by guys. I just was not a fan of their draft. Very uh, college reliever heavy. Um, I'm not a Cody Satterwhite guy. I never have been. I almost like Jacobson, who they got better. He's not in their top ten. Wilkin Ramirez, the bat's starting to play, but there's there's really no defensive position for this guy. You know, Casey Crosby made three appearances this year. Kale Orge is raw. It's a very raw top ten. Um, it's just a, it's an organization that mortgages the future to be good in 2008, and at the same time was terrible in 2008. So they've got some uh, splaining to do. Right. The good news for them is is that there still are a lot of the pieces that they have in Detroit are, are still, still there. I yeah, mean, they like, still have guys in their primes or about to reach their prime right. in, in Granderson and Miguel Cabrera. They can build around. Placido Polanco is still. You good. know, if Bonderman comes back to be, you know. Verlander. Yeah, yeah I exactly. mean, they, they've got, you know, it's something where they don't need five guys from the minors. They need complementary guys. Right. They've got the stars in place. At that being said, you know, if you had Jar Jurgens instead of Edgar Renneria, you know, the now departed Edgar Renneria, probably sign would with, help. Sign with, with the Giants, apparently, today. Yeah, which is, that would help things. You know, that would, that would, that would make the big league club a little better. You know, there's, you know. Cameron Mabin would, you know, he would, he would fit in. Probably he would look nicely. nicely you know, I think like, so. But Can, Kansas City Royals, JJ, uh, your first time doing the Royals top ten. This is a it's a solid top ten. It's not like the problem with the Royals system is what comes after ten. Well, it's a yeah. I think the top ten is is very solid. I mean, I don't think there's really, you know, when we talked about like the White Sox and it drops off pretty significantly. I mean, the number nine prospect on the top, Royals top ten is Keila Kahui, who is a first baseman. Who, if you said right now to me, you know, okay, pop in the time machine, you know, go to the end of the year and like, you know, say, okay, Keel Kahui hit 25 homers with a 380 on 375 on base in the big leagues, I go, no, that doesn't floor that would, me. That would blow me away it, <laughs> if he did that. That I don't think it's likely he'd do that, right, but right. I, I, it wouldn't, you know, it's within his, it's, it's within that's the potential. That's the best case scenario. That's the he best case that. scenario, but yeah, he could do that. that. You know, and he's number nine on this list. Now, that being said, you know, I put him nine because I had this question in the chat today. He also slugged over 500 for the first time in his minor league career this year in his seventh minor league season. Of so he slugged over 600, which is right. If you're going to go over 500 for the first time, do it, do it spades, well. You know? you know, but. That being said, you know, that's the number nine. Carlos Rosa, number eight, is a guy who could, you know, very well could be in the Royals' bullpen this year and basically could kind of, you know, replace Leo Nunez, who they traded off to uh, to the Marlins. You know, so it's a very solid top ten. The problems that the Royals have right now is Kahui is the only bat 
that played in double A AA or triple A last year that you would say, hey, this guy's going to be a major league contributor, probably. Right. I mean, you probably can't name anyone else who really will be a contributor, even. He's only bat ab- above low A in the top 10. The only pitchers you had above low A in the top 10, Cortez, Rosa, and Wood. And Blake Wood really, you know, didn't have much success above A ball. He was in high A. Right. And double he had A success in high A, but yeah, you really can't credit him as pitching in double A and succeeding. It's hard to see any of those guys. Uh, Cortez, Rosa. Cortez and Rosa or, could contribute this year if they're in the bullpen, but it's hard to see right. them giving the Royals 15 to 20 solid starts. Yeah, exactly. So, and, I mean, they're, like you said, in, in a best-case scenario, the Royals are a top-ten organization coming into 2010. Right. You know, Moustakas has a big now, year. Hosmer has a big year. And, and the, a couple of these young And the guys that aren't through. on, you know, now in, beyond the top ten, there are a lot of guys that, you, that are interesting, but they're interesting from the standpoint, you know, just to drop a couple of names, there's two Latin pitchers they have, Carlos Fortuna and Kelvin Herrera, who, you know, we could be talking the next this time next year and go, wow, those guys are really something. Right. You know, but they haven't pitched in full season ball yet. That was a really good Peter Gammon's butt, by the way. Unintentional, though, it may have Unintentional, been. Unintentional, you know, but. that's an homage in some <laughs> that's ways. Right. That's um, right. But, but you know, I'll do it one more time. <laughs> um, they also have a lot of guys from this 2008 draft who, a year from now, they spent a lot of money in this draft. Yep. They spent over $10 million. It didn't just go to the guys. You know, they got three guys from that draft in the top ten. But beyond that, you have guys like Tyler Sample, John Lamb, multiple other, you know, Johnny Giovatella. They've got multiple other guys who, a year from now, having had a chance to do something, right. could really move up. That being John, said. John Lamb could be really, really interesting. He sounds like he's an athletic Fifth round, sixth round guy. I've, I've heard day. a Tom Glavin comp on him. Although the thing about that is that's almost a kiss of death because it I is. think he, both of us have heard at least a hundred Tom Glavin comps. And you know what? None of those guys has ended up being Tom Glavin. And yet. the problem with that is that uh, it means you have a below average fastball when somebody right. throws that out there, which Glavin didn't at his peak. And you got to hope that John Lamb doesn't. He's like eighty six, eighty nine. And, 89, and he, he's touched. He's touched ninety one before. Yeah, so you know, there's yeah. projection to him. But that being said, every time you hear this Tom Glavin comp, the reality of it is is that. Yeah, that you have to have the average. I mean, coming up, he was the average fastball with the right. eighty change. Exactly. You know, not coming up, but a year and or two premium, in and premium command. Right. I mean, and that's was it eighty command really. You know, I mean, that's the thing is, is that when you're talking about guys, I mean, there aren't eighties floating out there. Like in most, you know, I mean, we're doing all these top thirties, and it's very rare that you find an eighty slapped on any pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that. And Glavin basically had. Had a couple of, if not 80s, they were 70s, and his changeup and his command. And the athleticism is also a separator. A guy got drafted that high to play hockey, uh, could make in-game adjustments like he did. So, the, the, If you're the controversial guy, on, I don't know if there's really a controversial guy on the Royals list. Maybe you could come up with I one. The biggest controversy was one versus two, because uh, you really could have gone Hosmer or Moustakas. And that's almost flip. I mean, basically is, it came basically down to coin. one guy's done it in the minors already, one guy hasn't, and one guy plays third base, one guy plays first. You know, if Hosmer had, like, had a big month in the Pioneer League and like had served notice that he was going to be super extra, super duper extra special, or like if they'd sent him to Hawaii Winter Baseball instead of, say, Kyle Martin, and he'd gone off in Hawaii like some of these other guys, like a Yonder Alonzo or uh, Roger Kieschnick did, some other 2008 high draft picks, I think you could have had justification for doing it. And his ceiling might be higher than Moustakas's. But as I told Jim Cowles, like Mike Moustakas, your high school in California, single season and career home run leader, your Midwest League home run leader, the first teenager to do it since Prince Fielder, and he can play a position other than first base. I think you have to give the edge to the guy who has that kind of power. He might be a 260 hitter, 
But he might hit 260 with 30 home runs playing third base or right that's, field. You'll take that. That's a pretty special player. I mean, and, and Eric Hosmer, I just want to see more than three games with a wood bat against professional pitchers. Right, and that's not, I mean, hey, at this time next year, it may even be a better debate. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. But to me, that was the most controversial part, really, of your time. The, the one guy I'll say in there is Danny Gutierrez is number seven. There is a chance that next year, despite Melville, Montgomery, all these guys. He could be the number one pitcher in that system. Yeah. If he stay, he's got to show he can stay healthy, but that's a guy with with big time stuff. From one Gutierrez to, to, to Carlos Gutierrez from the University of Miami on the on the uh I just wanted to do my Jim Morris impersonation on the twin system. I think this is my third year of doing the twins. I'm starting to almost get twins fatigue. Uh but I've had three very different number ones. I think it's interesting to talk about <laughs> the, the number ones I've ranked with the twins. First Matt Garza, uh who had fifty innings exactly, and thank goodness he did, because I don't know who I would have had number one than, other than him. It might have been Glenn Perkins, who had a two that year, or it might have been Kevin Slowey, who was three. And I think in retrospect, boy, I'm glad I had Garza, because I probably would have had Perkins over Slowey, and that would have looked bad. <laughs> um, then last year, Nick Blackburn, that was the controversial pick. Who defines the, that was the controversial pick of the uh, the Baseball America Top Tens for 2000. But you can't get further away, I don't think, than from Nick Blackburn than Aaron Hicks, who has better stuff than Nick Blackburn does right now well, as, as a, a pitcher. Mound, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's up to 97 with a you know, And he's an outfielder, by the way, in case you don't. You know. But he's uh, on the best tools. I think you have to rank a guy, number one, in an organization when he's best strike zone discipline, best athlete, best defensive outfielder, best outfield arm, could have been best fastball, and would have been in consideration for best breaking ball. I think that guy has to be number one. And that's despite the year that Ben Revere had, and, and Ben Revere's upside is significant. I, you know, I think I wrote last year that if it all comes together offensively, Ben Revere could be kind of an Ichiro kind of offensive player. He, he has about a 20-arm or 30-arm compared to Ichiro's 80-arm, so he's not Ichiro. But offensively, he's that kind of igniter at the top of a lineup. He's a guy going to get a lot of hits. He's going to steal a lot of bases. And that, probably that year he had zone. the Midwest League is as close as an each row years you could have offensively yeah. in the Midwest League. I yeah, mean, absolutely. I mean, hitting. And he stings the ball. He's not a punch and Judy guy. Uh, 10 triples, 17 doubles. So um, we really like Ben Revere, but I think Aaron Hicks' upside is significantly higher because he's a switch hitter. He's got real home run power potential, and he's got baseball savvy. Uh, I, I just think Aaron Hicks. Uh, potentially the best athlete in that draft. Definitely the best athlete who's also a real baseball player because Anthony Hewitt, probably a better athlete, but Hewitt's much more raw than Aaron Hicks. And then Wilson Ramos uh, was three last year and really had a really nice year in the Florida State League. And to me, that's about as good a trade chip as any club has. You got Joe Maurer locked up long-term as a 25-year-old all-star gold-glove catcher and one of your top prospects is a guy who's getting ready to go to A, is age-appropriate at 21, uh, threw out more base runners, a better percentage of base runners than anybody in the Florida State League, and has real power as a catcher in Wilson Ramos. No, that's uh, I like Wilson Ramos quite a bit, and we had him third last year, uh, and I think we were definitely ahead of the curve on that. So, and then you got number four, Jose Mahara, one, per- one of my personal cheese balls. all-time JJ Cooper cheese ball. Absolutely, you're the first one who brought in my attention. Uh, so the Twins, to me, the list after that was very iffy. Uh, the, the top four was easy. Uh, after that, uh, they really have. I've, I've written the whole 30, and you really have five through 17 or 18 are guys who are all very similar. Number 18 can end up being better than number five, Danny Valencia. So I think number 18 is Renato Sony. And that guy can really hit. He just can't stay healthy. And the, the profile is a question. If it all comes together for Renato Sony, he could be Rusty Greer. But uh, you know, after uh, that, Peter Gammons so that, that was a definite attempt, uh, Peter Gammons. Uh, but the rest of the five to ten, was really a mix of upside and uh, trying to mix in. Pick, 
the guy uh, I really like close to the majors. The guy I really like, and I, you know, I'll I'll tell everyone I've got an FSL bias because I do the FSL list yeah. every year, so that you know I would know those guys better. But Gutierrez, you know, I know he's a first round reliever, but of those first round relievers, I mean, he's got a you know he's got some pretty elite stuff. He does. He's got a chance. They're going to start him next year. Yeah. Try to deepen the repertoire. Uh, with Pat Neshack's injury again, uh, there's a big league opportunity in Minnesota in the bullpen. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if uh, a couple of their right-handed relievers uh, got a shot, like an Anthony Slamma, like a Rob Delaney, uh, some of those kind of guys. If Anthony Swarzak can work out of the bullpen, it wouldn't shock me if Swarzak made their big league staff as a reliever. I think Philip Umber will make their big league staff as a reliever next year. Which actually uh, is not a bad – He's out of options. And, and it's he, not a bad yeah. fit for him in some ways. I mean, that – it's not. I think he'll be able to throw a little bit harder, air it out a little bit, and just really attack hitters with that breaking ball. Uh, but to me, Gutierrez, uh, I think he'll be, he will be, if he's as good as the Twins think he is, he'll be in the big league late next year uh, as a setup guy. And the stuff-wise, I mean, at least you know from what I was getting from Florida State League you know, scouts and managers was, I mean, stuff-wise, of all those guys we just talked about, he's got the best stuff. Absolutely. No, he does. And, it, and the, to me, the most controversial guy in here was Angel Morales at 10. He's got all kinds of power potential. He's very hit or miss. I didn't even rank him in the 30 last year because the tools were there, but the playability was not. The playability still really isn't there that much, but you just don't see guys slug 623 in the Appy League too much, and he does have other tools. But he was age-appropriate co- for the Appy League. Absolutely, but how do you compare him with a Joe Benson, who, according to the Twins, has better tools, has played at a higher level, but really struggled in his second year and has a bad back? What about Chris Parmalee, who has big-time power like Morales, but not nearly as well-rounded, has played at a higher level, also had a, a wrist injury this year. So his power next year, wrist injury plus Florida State League, will probably equal depressed power numbers. Or Tyler Robertson, who was you know topping out at 83 in his last start, had tendonitis. They don't even know what the injury is, but he does have a stiff arm action. What do you do with these guys? So they, it's a really convoluted and difficult organization there's just no separation and that's in the that thing. system. We we see all we see all kinds when we do these things. Yeah. And the twins, the twins have all kinds of depth. The twins have depth. They, you know, the twins basically, and I'm doing the Reds list, and it's the same thing with the Reds. Like where and you, Luke Hughes, look right. at the year he had in Double A and, and some Triple A. The guy can really hit, but he doesn't have a position. So who the, knows where you rank? That the, guy the fascinating is. ones to me, like I mean, there are there are there are organizations who have elite talent, but then you get to like you know, I mean, like the Royals. The Royals are you know. Hosmer and Moustakis are two yeah. guys who are elite talents. But, you know, when you're ranking the number 30 guy, you're like, eh, you know, I don't know. You know, this guy, a lot has got to come together. Yeah. And then there's others, you know, like I'm doing the red system, and I'm writing that one now. And with the reds, I could write 50 guys up yeah. and feel like that the number 50 guy has a chance to be a big leaguer. I've already written up 33 guys for the for the Twins, just assuming they're going to lose two or three guys in the Rule 5. They get two or three guys Rule 5 every year. Uh, right now, another personal cheese ball, Jason Pridey out of the 30. It's a real, it's a real shame. <laughs> I love Jason Pridey. I think the guy can play. He needs a, he needs a shot, but uh, he also can strike out with the best of them. So, but it, it's there are some organizations where like, uh, and I'm working start work on the Phillies. I've already done the Yankees. Uh, yeah, the Yankees I thought also had a similar issue to the Twins. There's not a lot of difference between after you get to number six in the Yankee system, but it really. Seven afterward was very up the in the air. The funny thing about this is, is that when people see this, you know, and I know people see it and go, well, why do you not like this guy? Why do you not like this guy? And it really comes down to you have to rank someone 15, you have to rank someone 30, right? and you have to leave some guys out. Like, you know, and that doesn't necessarily – it's funny because there are guys who I like better, but it's like, you know, we're also trying to relay a consensus of opinion. Exactly. To where it's like if I love a guy – 
but I can't talk to any find anyone else who you know who thinks the same way. You know, well, my opinion, you know, I mean, works in there a little bit, but it's, I'm going to depend on you know, I mean, right. what we're trying to give you is, you know, we talk to scouts and all for a reason. I mean, you know, we're not going to go on, you know, there's got to be some other stuff there, right? But right. that plays a big part in what we're ranking guys. Yeah, we're trying. I th- that is really we're trying to reflect the consensus in the industry. And that includes in the organization's view and outside the organization's view. You know, like and the, that is the key because you got to get because the inside. If you we, if we just did inside, you'd get some warped list because for one thing, absolutely. You know, depending on the organization, some organizations are right. You know, you understand that they're going to talk up guys because they're trying to trade. They're them. trying to trade. Them. <laughs> absolutely. And that's where you have to get the outside of the organization because you're going to get some from inside. Also, you'll get some insights that you wouldn't get otherwise because they know guys. Well, just for example, I'm going to give away a little piece of the A's top 30. We just found out. Well, I won't tell you which player, but we just found out one of the players had sleep apnea this year. You know, finding out that he fought through sleep apnea actually kind of boosted his stock oh, in the system. To give you one more example of that before we wrap this up, Keila Kahui. One of the questions I was asking inside the organization was, okay, so why was it that this year, yeah. you know, it came together? And there was an explanation. You know, he had a bad knee. He lost a little weight. The knee got better. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he could, you know, he had a base. Yeah, he had a base to a swing. That's something that you can't get from outside the organization. Because understandably, a scout, even if he sees him, sits on him for six to eight games. Right. Even if he knows him and talks to him a little bit, he may not mention that. And all of a sudden, so you're like going, yeah, the swing looks a little better this year. But, you know, I mean. I don't know why, though. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, much more of those kind of tidbits at BaseballAmerica.com in our chats. I'll be chatting Twins tomorrow, which I guess is probably today when you download this. Today when you download this. Um, JJ just chatted. Uh, Royals will have the Arizona and Hawaii winter list coming up next week at Baseball America. And as JJ said earlier, Rule 5 Draft Preview Part uh, uh, part 1 at BaseballAmerica.com. So, so much more to come e if you're on the website. the Mandarin listeners in our. Uh, part Anna. In Greek. So uh, for J.J. Cooper in the Mandarin language and for Greek language, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week at BaseballAmerica.com. So long, everybody.